You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Alhamdulillah, this evening uh, we have uh, uh, one of our favorites, uh, Dr. Imran Akika. He's the yeah, MPL for, you know, member of the provincial uh, legislature, doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture, and member of the KZN uh, provincial parliament, as I say, and as someone that resonates so positively on the plat- platforms of Amatka Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah. I really uh, am, uh, you know, happy to have him this evening. And I just knew recently, uh, Mum Sharifa hasn't been well. And, uh, you know, we want you all to lift your hands up and make special duas for her. Dr. Imran Kika, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, under trying circumstances, uh, tell me, how are you doing, Doc? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And assalamu alaikum to the listeners. Jazakallah for the opportunity, Brother Shafat. I'm doing very well. I hope you are too. Uh, on Mum's news, uh, I'll put it to you just as bluntly as the doctor put it to me. Uh, he said to me that uh, patients like Mum don't survive. Uh, you know, they progress and progressively get worse and eventually succumb uh, to the COVID pneumonia that she has. Um, and in her case, uh, there's no explanation for. Uh, her improvement, except that it could have been the acceptance of somebody's duas, and we firmly believe that, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, make it easy for all, uh, Doc, and our duas are always uh, with her and also with all family members. Well, uh, Doctor, you know, uh, as you know, when you come around, uh, there's always a fine captain sign, just a label, Dr. Imran Kika, and uh, so many questions have come through. Let's go uh, through the first one, and it's, uh, mashallah, it says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, why do I succumb to severe bouts of uh, flatulence when eating broad beans? I love it with the puri and peanut and minchatni. Uh, very, uh, <laughs> uh, I think many people do have this problem. Uh, maybe a good way to start off on a, uh, a bombastic note, uh, doctor. Gee, definitely starting off with a bag of hot air. Uh, Brother Shafat, um, well, that sounds like a very delicious menu in, to start off with. Uh, so that's good, some broad beans and puri and peanut chutney and mint chutney, alhamdulillah, very tasty menu. Uh, so definitely, you know, there are some foods that uh, contribute to increasing flatulence in the body. Uh, they're very windy uh food substances, so it includes beans, cabbage, broccoli, raisins, lentils, prunes, um, and so on. So foods that are generally high in fructose or something called sorbitol, um, fruit juices, all of these things can definitely increase uh, flatulence. Talking of the puri, some people may have, uh, you know, intolerances of wheat in the gut, so if you eat puri, roti or anything containing wheat or corn these can certainly contribute uh, towards uh, flatulence and uh, the remedy for it generally is when you're cooking some of these foods like the broad beans uh, you can slightly decrease the 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 flatulence by adding something called asafoetida or commonly known as hing uh, to the cooking process Uh, it might help but generally, these are foods that do increase flatulence. 
But Brother Shavad, there are also other reasons why um, people may have flatulence, flatulence because it's a common problem, you know. Um, sometimes people chew too fast uh, and take in a little bit too much air. And uh, we find this, it's not Ramadan now, but generally you and I who are standing in the sufuf next to the brothers might notice sometimes the burps and the flatulence all coming out. Um, so it's because people sometimes eat too fast. So, so this might be one of the causes. Uh, chewing gum, smoking in some people, uh, you know, sucking or keeping objects in their mouth, drinking carbonated drinks. So those are some of the other causes. Then, Brother Shafat, there are also some disease conditions that can cause uh, flatulence, and that's things like constipation. There could be gastroenteritis. Uh, irritable bowel, lactose intolerance, and a whole host of other disease conditions that affect the bowel uh, that can cause all this kind of flatulence. So it's a quite a broad subject. I like the broad beans the brother mentions, um, <laughs> or sister. Yeah, so it, it's quite a wide area. So identifying what might cause it, and then uh, addressing either the habit, such as chewing gum or eating too fast, uh, that may address the problem or treating the underlying condition, um, you know, if it's celiac disease or constipation or some other problem of the gut, um, for example. And in Chinese medicine, alhamdulillah, we, we have certain very good formulae to address many of these, if not all of these conditions and acupuncture, uh, if it is not just related to food such as broad beans of course that we can't treat we can tell you that look cook the broad beans with hing as i also already mentioned uh, and and that might help a long way um, very often we find that uh, certain parts of a food might contribute to the flatulence we know that it might be in the case of the beans that it might be the peels of the beans in some instances have been shown to increase the amount of flatulence so those are all considerations that we take into uh, the process of cooking and disease conditions when treating such a thing. Jazakallah for that uh, talk. I'm talking about broad beans, a broad uh, uh, topic, and a broad band also. Hey? Everything ah, is true. getting broader Jeez. and broader. But I love you, Doc. I love you for your wit. And alhamdulillah, just spontaneous and, you know, brilliant indeed. Uh, going on to uh, this question, says, Grandma always gave me raw eggs stirred in uh, milk for breakfast. It seemed uh, to keep me healthy. I suggested to my wife to do the same for our son, and she flatly refused, telling me it's old-fashioned. Yeah, this is a problem here, Doc. How do you handle it? Well, probably it was raised by the daughter-in-law, so, you know, that is one problem. But uh, I'm just pulling your leg there, Brother Shafat. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, some of the... Old habits and old eating habits are not a bad thing. They're actually quite good. Uh, nowadays, we are moving further away from good, wholesome, halal and toyiban food. I'm not saying the halal, but toyiban, you know, wholesome food. Uh, the old habits of uh, preparing things from scratch and so on. Um, the, the elder people did this and, and, and you know, it uh, produced tastier food. It produced more wholesome food. Uh, the source of the food was more organic in the older days than it is now. 
And uh, so certainly the older ways of eating are much better. And going back to those old ways of eating good, wholesome food is not a bad thing. Uh, raw eggs, on the other hand, <clears throat> look, eggs we know are a high source of protein, good source of protein, contains healthy fats, lots of vitamins, minerals. They contain all of the antioxidants. I'm sorry, the amino acids that we need in the body. The body doesn't produce all of its own amino acids. And this is a very, very good source. Eggs, the shell itself is a very rich source of calcium and other nutrients. Eggs themselves are very rich sources of phosphorus. Uh, they have some vitamin D in them. So they're good for the, as protein. They're good for the building blocks in the body. Uh, eating them raw is certainly not a bad thing, uh, provided that, you know, of course, they are cleaned properly. Uh, eggs, uh, raw eggs can, uh, you know, eating raw eggs has the high risk of giving you uh, something called salmonella infections, uh, terrible infection to have of the gut uh, that can cause severe diarrhea, cramps, you know, food poisoning type of uh, signs and symptoms. And it's one of the contributors, that particular bug, and can make people very, very sick. So um, raw eggs, uh, make sure that they, you know, very, very clean. And otherwise, I don't see any any harm in, in having some of it. Um, you know, so we mentioned already uh, the phosphorus, the calcium. We know it's a rich source of potassium, magnesium, vitamin D, all of those things that I mentioned. So uh, provided that those eggs are clean, what I do, I uh, buy my eggs from a local farmer. So I get them very, very fresh, uh, delivered to my home in a little basket, alhamdulillah. She comes once a week with the quota of eggs that are kept aside for me. Uh, but when we receive them, we make sure that they are thoroughly washed and cleaned and then we refrigerate them. So um, you should do that um, because any of the residue from the chicken left in there can make you very, very ill. That's the caveat. So eggs and milk, milk again, a rich source of nutrition, a rich source of protein. Hopefully it's fresh, you know, if you get it from the farm and you uh, boil it on your stove and you keep the malai, Brother Shafat, I don't have to tell you about the malai and the cream. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, we're talking about uh, very tasty food. You know, we're talking about broad beans and puri and peanut chutney and malai and eggs and, you know, alhamdulillah. So this is all good. All these are branches in Chinese medicine of something that we call shilao. Shilao is dietotherapy. And certainly patients that have... Um, deficiencies of protein or albumin in their body you know we can pick it up from tests there are certain conditions that cause malnutrition uh, this which is commonly known as an egg flip you know with the milk and uh, eggs is not a bad thing but provided that uh, you know we keep the precautions in mind i tell you the taste buds are jumping with uh, dr imran kika and myself and the baraka flowing hey with the broad bean the Puri, the chutney, and the mint chutney, and hey, let's talk about it, people. And uh, yes, uh, doctor, also you talk about those eggs. Uh, you know, how about having methi eggs with a lovely oh, soft roti? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Almost you, lunchtime, brother. Uh, you know, it's dinner time, <laughs> post dinner time now, brother Shafat. We we we're talking about snacks now. It, you know, Yes, sir. Afzal, he says, uh, bouts of red eyes is a common trait. Uh, I wash with a rose water, temporary <laughs> relief, only to reappear again. Yeah, I heard uh, a lot about uh, using uh, 
Rosewater, Doctor. What's your take on that? Well, first on the rose water, a lot of the rose water that's commonly available is not real rose water. It's plain old water, hopefully purified, with some rose essence in it, most likely of a chemical origin. And so it might, you know, provide some temporary relief because you're washing the eyes. <laughs> Uh, but if there's any chemical source in there, it could continue to irritate the eyes. So rose water may not, pure rose water is, is an excellent remedy for itchy and burny eyes. But we need to make sure that we know what's causing the, the red eyes. So in, in Chinese medicine, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, we actually use the eyes to, uh, you know, the, the different parts of the eye. Just to give you some information, so for example, the iris of the eye, which is the not, not the center black part of the eye, but the brown or green or blue or whatever color of the eye that surrounds the pupil, which is the center of the eye, the iris. In Chinese medicine, we look at that and we are able to tell things like, uh, talk about the condition of the liver. We look at the lower eyelid and talk about the stomach. We look at the upper eyelid and talk about the condition of the spleen. We look at the inner part of the eye and talk about the heart. Uh, we look at the pupil itself and we talk about the kidney and we look at the sclera, which is the white part of the eye, and we talk about the lung. So by just looking at the eye when we examine our patients, uh, we can tell so many things about um, the patient. We also do something called face mapping in Chinese medicine, the different parts of the face that tell us different things about the patient. So a red eye, Brother Shafat, uh, from, from a medical point of view, uh, broadly classified, you know, you can have a traumatic cause of a red eye where there is injury to the eye for whatever reason, whether it is trauma, usually trauma, it could be an abrasion, a foreign body in the eye, or it could be atraumatic. So, uh, you know, it could be because there's an infection in the eye, it could be from allergies, um, it could be because the patient has an underlying uh, chronic disease that is manifesting in the eye. For example, rheumatoid arthritis can have eye manifestations um, and other such conditions. So we need to <coughs> identify what is the cause of that. It could be increased pressure in the eye. So many things. So you can't just continue to put, uh, you know, some rose water in the eye and say, look, the problem is coming back. We need to go and see your optician. You need to see the ophthalmologist, your GP, see your Chinese medicine practitioner, your Unani medicine practitioner, see a healthcare practitioner, in other words. Um, and uh, each one will be able to identify a cause and treatment from their point of view and make a proper recommendation on how to treat the eye. So it is not just, just a simple thing about oh, I have an itchy eye, there could be something that is underlying, it could be very serious, it could be very simple. Uh, have it looked at and get proper treatment. Um, I'm not a fan of the, like I said at the very beginning, the commonly used rose water, you know, the one that we would use for some ritual purpose or making some bed sheets smell nice or something. I don't think that's a very good idea in my personal opinion. Uh, brilliant indeed, Doctor. And also people use uh, vinegar. And, you know, even vinegar is uh, diluted with the water and, uh, you know, you don't get pure vinegar. Uh, you know, what is the, uh, uh, perhaps, uh, the disadvantages of uh, using vinegar that has, doesn't have the pure sign on it, uh, Doctor? Look, uh, vinegar, it's, it's an acid. It can severely damage uh, the, the covering of the eyeball itself. 
so I don't think that's a very good idea, even in its dilute form. Um, so I think you should avoid that completely, whether pure or impure, it's an acid. And uh, that is something that certainly shouldn't be put in the eye. The safest thing to use is plain, clean tap water. Hopefully, if you can boil it and cool it and use that cool water to wash your eye in an emergency situation. Uh, but otherwise, you know, seek professional help for eye conditions. That's the best advice. Don't just use anything. Um, you know, you only have one set of eyes and don't put something in there just because somebody told you um, and, and caused more harm to your eyesight and, and things like that. So go and seek professional advice. Um, and, and inshallah, that will resolve the problem. We'll get to the bottom of it and it will resolve the problem. You know, we are getting closer to spring now. And very common is, you know, people have allergic rhinitis, allergic conjunctivitis because of the increased amount of pollen in the air. So those are easily treatable conditions. They're very troublesome, but if properly treated, they, you know, you can do very, very well with it. We use um, some very interesting Chinese herbal remedies for that. Uh, we even use acupuncture for many of these eye conditions. And Alhamdulillah, we see some very good results. In, in patients. Looking at a question from Yunus, and he says, uh, prostrate issues are so common and I'm in a psychological nightmare. I'm 55 years and dreading it. Please uh, tell me, uh, many don't get it. Okay, Yunus yeah, is uh, telling you, Doc, please uh, tell me many don't get a uh, prostrate. But how common is it amongst uh, men folk, uh, Doc? It is rather common, Brother Shafat. Um, so first of all, the, the prostate is a little gland. Um, in general terms, if I may describe its location, your bladder is at the lower part of your of your tummy in a couple of uh, maybe a hand breadth or so, or a little bit more uh, below your 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 navel. Uh, there's your bladder there. Your bladder collects urine. Um, the bladder is connected to the outer passage uh, through a tube, a little tube that passes. Uh, it's called the urethra. It passes from the bladder through the prostate gland out to the exterior and it's also responsible for producing um, a fluid uh, that uh, mixes uh, with the sperm and forms part of the ejaculate uh, so this little gland is uh, it's got the urethra passing from the bladder to the outside and it is located just below the the neck of the bladder i should say uh, and between there and and the back passage so when doctors need to examine it, that is why uh, they insert their finger through the back passage to feel the prostate. Um, it's a not, uh, look, a lot of people have issues with the examination of the prostate, but you can't beat the doctor's finger or the urologist's finger in examining the prostate uh, because there are many things that they can tell from that, the size of the prostate, um, the covering, you know, the feel over the tissues that cover the prostate, whether they are lumps in the prostate, um, the, the, the consistency of the prostate. There are many things that from examining the prostate, the doctor can uh, talk about the condition of the prostate and whether, you know, there are lumps there that could be cancerous and so on. Uh, you know, uh, prostate problems are not uncommon uh, in males above the age of 40 or 45 certainly over the age of uh, 50 and the and the more older you get the more common pro prostate problems can become so i don't know brother Yunus's age and i understand this frustration it can cause all kinds of problems from 
difficulty in passing urine, obstruction in passing urine, painful urination, uh, dribbling of the urine after urinating, incontinence to some extent, waking up in the night and passing urine frequently. So it, it's quite um, a stressful situation to have a prostate problem. And these are all the things that are associated with it. When it comes to the treatment, first we need to identify what is the problem. So we need to make a blood test that can tell us so many things. And then, of course, it comes to treatment. So, of course, from a Chinese medicine point of view, we have many things in our arsenal and our dispensary that we are able to use uh, to help patients. But also the patients need to consult uh, with the GP or the urologist because there are several things that first need to be identified, blood tests that need to be done, and of course, uh, proper treatment. And of course, a combination of the treatments from a Chinese medicine point of view, uh, together with what uh, Western medicine has to offer, produces some significant and excellent results in patients in conditions such as what we call benign prostatic hyperplasia, that means, or BPH for short, where it is not cancerous. But where it is cancerous, the treatment uh, is quite complex, can involve surgery. Um, there's different kinds of surgeries that are available. Uh, those are options that you might need to discuss with your your urologist is something called brachytherapy, where small radioactive beads are inserted into the prostate. Um, again, it's something uh, that the urologist can tell you about. There are even some newer techniques where blood supply to the prostate is uh, obstructed uh, using coils that cut off the blood supply to certain parts or to the prostate entirely. And of course, uh, there's radical surgery where the prostate can be removed either through robotic surgery or open surgery, or, and there are various techniques. So, so those are the general um, approaches. Then, of course, there's also hormonal therapy, um, which is also commonly used, has its uh, pros and cons. So all of these things are, are things that need to be discussed with the urologist or your GP. And certainly, I am very, very convinced uh, that when we use Chinese medicine acupuncture together with all of those things, uh, we definitely get some fantastic outcomes in patients that I uh, can speak about from the practice point of view and tell you that, uh, you know, it goes a long way. Mm. Brilliant indeed. Uh, before going for the break, let's uh, make this uh, the last question before the break. Uh, Dr. Kassam says, uh, I feel bloated all the time and sometimes I find it difficult to pass uh, urine. Uh, uh, help, uh, doctor. How do you help Kasim? Uh, He's feeling bloated and uh, finds it difficult to pass uh, urine uh, sometimes. So I'm not sure what Brother Kasim is asking, whether the bladder feels bloated or the tummy feels bloated, because on the one hand, he's speaking about uh, feeling bloated and then the passage of urine. So I think when it comes to the passage of urine, we've just discussed that it could be, even be a prostate problem. And so Brother Kasim needs to go and have that looked at. But if it is a bloating problem, I think we've already spoken about flatulence and bloatedness and things like that. You know, one is the control of the diet and the other, of course, is um, this very nice herbal medication that we can prescribe and even certainly acupuncture and even dry cupping on the tummy, you know, might help. But we need to identify more clearly uh, which one Brother Kassim is speaking about. But I think on, on both matters, uh, we've just spoken about them and I hope that Brother Kassim takes away something from there. And inshallah, he, he gets some benefit.
Inshallah, Brother Qasim, uh, hearing, uh, listening to our Dr. Imran Kika very attentively. And Alhamdulillah, yes, uh, we do all go, go through so many different conditions. And Alhamdulillah, we are really grateful to all of you for sending in uh, those questions. And remember that uh, most of your questions goes on file so that we can uh, give it to the relevant doctors that you have requested uh, for us to, to uh, you know, address the issue with and in our case this evening uh, dr imran kika doing uh, a brilliant work as usual time for us to go to the uh, marketplace and inshallah we will continue after that you're listening to marcus sahaba online radio podcast really i'm having a wonderful time uh, with our doctor and i hope uh, you you and you are enjoying yourself uh, this evening with us and uh, yes sir, when i uh, spoke to doctor uh, earlier on uh, and you know he was just uh, he was just cool calm and collected and he said you know shafat i'm there and i'm uh, i'm ready to come on board and uh, yeah he's enjoying himself with us and remember dr imran kika is uh, the uh, member of the kzn provincial parliament and he's a doctor of uh, chinese medicine and acupuncture and a member of the kzn provincial parliament as i said and as someone that we embrace and celebrate on the platforms of marcus sahaba the voice of the Ahlus Sunnah Awal Jama'ah. This question here is a, a worrying one, Doctor. It says, what are some causes of organ failure, Doc? Brother Shafat, this is a very, very broad area because we have so many organs, Alhamdulillah. Uh, and on a lighter note, uh, I hope people don't take this out of context. Uh, but for those who dislike the Sahaba since we are on Markaz Sahaba and talking about the Sahaba I always say it is failure of the brain you know so if we're talking about uh, failure of something uh, it is the failure of understanding mm. people just don't love the Sahaba but organ failure on its own is is quite a broad subject has many causes and um, it all depends on which organ we're talking about one of the things that we commonly see currently uh, resulting in many people passing on is multi-organ failure, um, more particularly <coughs> from one organ starting to fail and the other ones following uh, in, in COVID, for example, at the moment. So we'll see a patient might have a problem with the lung that begins to fail, that may affect the heart. Um, that severe infection can lead to causing other organs to be stressed. Um, septicemia resulting in the body and eventual demise of the patient. So it's 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 a it's it's a it's not just about one thing. But you do get single organ failures, like you get um, liver failure, you get kidney failure, you get failure of the pancreas uh, that gives you diabetes, um, and 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 of course all of them have different causes. So those causes could be infection, could be injury, uh, that injury could be uh, accidental, it could be while the surgeon is operating, he nicks an organ, um, it could be because of a lack of blood supply, um, it could be multifactorial, so it's quite a broad subject, Brother Shafat. Um, Kidney failure is, is something that we commonly see as a result of patient in, 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 in the clinic uh, or early kidney failure in patients that are hypertensive or diabetic, which, is, uh, which are common causes that lead to kidney failure. 
Um, so the idea is to identify what the problem is. Is it an immune response? Is it um, drug related, medication related? Is it sepsis, infection, surgery, injury? So once we've identified what is causing that, we'll be able to talk about uh, treatment options. For example, if there's kidney failure, there is uh, the option of dialysis. Um, respiratory failure, depending on how severe it is, we may supplement with oxygen um, and so on. So it, it all depends. So I think this question is quite broad. Uh, I hope I'm giving some justice to it in trying to explain, um, you know, what the different organs are, what the different causes are, and how we may approach that. So uh, these are things that are very, very serious. So if you're progressing to organ failure, very serious it's not like something that um, you know you'd know about on on day one when it begins depending on where you are and then of course um, it would require some serious intervention um, to to try and save your life if that organ fails understandable dr Jafakala. and Naim says as a bank clock i spend a lot of time on my computer screen and with my head always about down can this have repercussions in the future? I'm 33 years old. Uh, what? How do you advise Naeem, Doc? Yes, certainly, uh, Brother Naeem, um, 33 years old, Alhamdulillah, you're still very young. Um, and adopting good posture now will go a long way in the future. So, you know, adjusting your the height of your chair, the position of your screen, um, and things like that, will go a long way uh, to, to ensuring that later on you don't have problems with your neck and your back, uh, your, your spine in general. And so improving your posture now is a great idea. So if you are having any, any problems now, uh, you know, you, you could always see us for some acupuncture um, to try and relieve uh, the stress in the muscles and, and the joints of the neck and back. Um, some dry cupping would go a long way. And certainly visiting a chiropractor uh, would, would also assist you massively uh, or a therapeutic massage specialist. These are professionals registered with the Allied Health Professions Council of South Africa. Ensure that they are. And um, seeing us, inshallah, will, will help you, um, you know, correct any problems that might be there now. And certainly we would be able to advise you about those things going forward. And doing them now uh, will go a long way. So in my case, um, as we are speaking now, I'm speaking from home. I have uh, three computer monitors open in front of me, uh, but I have adjusted my uh, posture to ensure uh, that my screens and my keyboard and everything are at heights that do not cause a strain on my eyes and on my neck and my shoulders and my back. Um, so, so it goes, it, it's the same for people who drive long distances and drive all the time and or are in sedentary positions for most of the day, office workers. So it's a very important thing because uh, it can lead to a whole lot of musculoskeletal issues later on. Well answered there, Dr. Dadima says that we live in a very bad area, air, nose, uh, river pollution. I'm very worried for my grandchildren. Can I give them something uh, to keep them healthy? Well, how do we satisfy Dadima this evening, uh, Doc? 
Gee, it's a concern not uh, only for the, uh, the children's health, but for Dadima's health also. Um, you know, the, the reality is that there are things that we have control over. So we have control over things that we eat, and that is what Dadima is asking about, what healthy things we can put into our body. Um, and, and also, uh, you know, when we speak about the bad air, the noise, uh, the water pollution, those are also things that we have control over, Brother Shafat. It didn't just occur on its own. Uh, yes, there are culprits like uh, certain big industries that, that pollute the air, that create a lot of noise, that pollute our water, and so on. We know about that. Uh, but we also can play a part in that. So we have a responsibility. You know, it's, you know one of the things, Brother Shafat, I find absolutely disgusting is when I see somebody roll down a car window and throw litter onto the street. I mean, this is absolutely, mm. absolutely bad habit. It pollutes the environment. It leads to poll pollution in general. Um, so, so things that we can control, things uh, that, you know, we use in our house that contribute towards all of these things. Uh, where we have control of it, where we can use healthier alternatives, where we can use less plastics, for example, plastic bottled water. So these are all things that, that we have within our control uh, that we can that we can change our habits using, uh, so that the environment is not further polluted, and when, then we leave a better generation for our children and our grandchildren. But also when it comes to eating. So Dadima wants to know, you know, what can you give them uh, to keep them healthy? So we don't only have to talk about supplements and vitamins and, and minerals and, and herbs. Food. Again, coming back to good, healthy food. So I always say, stay away from those foods that cause harm. My personal uh, philosophy, if I may put it that way, and I've mentioned this on air repeatedly, uh, stay away from things that are pro-inflammatory. And I found uh, that foods that contain uh, wheat, corn, and sugar are particularly pro-inflammatory, uh, not to mention that, uh, you know, foods that are laced with uh, <coughs> pesticides and so on, um, artificial uh, sweeteners and things like that, all of these things can contribute uh, to bad health. And so if we stay away from them, uh, that is better than giving people something to stay healthy. So prevention is better than cure. And these are the some of the things that Dadima needs to keep in mind. Uh, the food that was produced, probably, I don't know how old Dadima is. Allah Ta'ala give her long life. Uh, so, you know, in Dadima's, uh, probably, you know, many years ago, uh, food production um, was very different from how it is now, at, you know, in, in the industrial format that it is produced now. So perhaps, you know, good wholesome food that Dadima ate at that time is contributing to Dadima's uh, good health now. And so she is concerned about her grandchildren. So I would say that, you know, uh, staying away from pro-inflammatory foods and substances uh, goes a long, long way uh, rather than saying, look, we need to keep uh, people on, on certain supplements. But I also have repeatedly said, go to your doctor, check up on your vitamin D levels, take your vitamin D supplements, um, 
you know, this is an excellent supplement for the immune system, reduces inflammation, boosts the immune system, uh, deals with so many of the processes. There are thousands of processes in the body that are dependent on this vitamin, which is actually a hormone. Um, and then the Adima must make sure that the children have good habits. So not only uh, food habits, uh, but good habits in life. So, you know, uh, sleeping well, having good manners, uh, all of these contribute towards being a good person and making sure that uh, the grandchildren or the future generations are all good um, and healthy people, both in terms of the mind and spirit and also, you know, in terms of uh, the body. So those are just a couple of general advices, um, you know, and, and that would go a long way to to keeping everybody healthy. So fast foods and all that, Brother Shafat, all out the window if Dadima wants to keep uh, the grandchildren and the next generation healthy, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, brilliant advice there. Anonymous uh, says, uh, my four-year-old son has become addicted to honey, has it, uh, has it very often. Worried about side effects, if any. Now, I don't know if there's uh, any side effects in honey, but our doctor, he simply loves honey. I know that, yeah, Dr. Imran. <laughs> you uh, love it. You're uh, a sweet uh, man, too. <laughs> Doc- Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I, I just got a, a good, nice supply of uh, farm fresh honey from my local farmer. I always say that. I always say get local honey. Um, if there's a farmer around you, find out, do some research. Find out if there's a farmer around you, get some good honey from your farmer rather than buying uh, something off the shelf, unless you have to. And then, of course, if that you come to that, then buy it from, from a reputable source. There are a lot of good people that are also going out of their way to source honey. They are bottling it and they are selling it as part of their home industries. So long as that honey is uh, properly sourced, they can tell you where they got it from. Um, because, you know, the farmer might want to sell you five kilos of honey and you don't want to buy five kilos of honey. You just want to buy one bottle of honey. So, you know, there are many uh, good, wholesome uh, home industries and even stores uh, that that source excellent honey and and they sell it. So go and buy that honey. That is the best for you. The honey that is from around you is always very good. Um, And, of course, I, I can tell you that if I can't get honey from my farmer then uh, short of advertising a particular brand and and uh, store i do go to a particular store and buy a particular brand that i have found that is uh, quite excellent honey and 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 my children also love honey of course there are side effects to honey but Shavad, we don't want anybody who's diabetic to have honey uh, notwithstanding that people will still say no allah Tala mentions that it is a shifa and it is mentioned in the Quran and you know that there is this argument. The reality is that honey is a sugar, uh, a type of sugar, uh, and diabetics must simply just avoid it. That's the bottom line. Or people that have sensitivity to fructose or, you know, different sugars, they should stay away from it completely. Um, so as a natural sweetener, I also say that honey should never be added to anything that is boiling. This you must remember because the good properties of the honey are lost. So put it into something that is warm or lukewarm, that is fine. Or in, you know, um, It's a good sweet alternative for kids instead of giving them lollipops and things like that. There are some very fantastic uh, 
recipes available all over the net to make uh, lozenges and sweets out of honey and that is excellent and even for a sore throat you know there are lozenge recipes all over the net i was looking at the other day at something and i came across one you can look at that and and keep that side effects of honey of course uh, i see uh, the four-year-old is quite addicted to honey uh, it can cause stomach upsets so it can cause a bit of uh, diarrhea if too much of it is consumed so I hope the little boy is uh, not having any tummy problems. Um, too much of any sugary thing we know can contribute to a whole host of gut disorders where, you know, it can cause a bit of an imbalance in the gut flora. So it's not a good idea. Everything in moderation. So honey too in moderation. So that is what you should worry about, mom or dad, uh, or anonymous who sent the, the question. I think... Um, that is the best advice for you. Well, you heard it. Everything in a moderation. Uh, question here says, uh, my Umi is in her late 40s. Uh, doctors say her veins are collapsing. Can a Chinese medicine help? Uh, yeah, veins collapsing, Doc. The answer is yes. Uh, we need to see the patient, of course, uh, to look at uh, the extent, probably talking about varicose veins. Uh, that's my understanding of the question. Um, and uh, so there are a number of contributing factors. Um, long if people stand for a long time, it could be hereditary. It could be because there's obesity. There are certain conditions of the lower limbs uh, that affect the circulation that can cause uh, these varicose veins. But of course, we need to see the patient. Uh, in Chinese medicine, we our, our treatment options vary. We go from... We, we, we sometimes even bleed the smaller ones. Uh, so one of the things that um, uh, this person can do uh, for, for, her, for her mother uh, is, you know, you can see a, a professional call an orthotist. Uh, these people, uh, they make these uh, prosthetic devices and so on. Uh, and what they will do for you is what is very helpful. In, you, you get stockings that can be worn to assist these collapsing veins. Uh, I know that pharmacies sell them, but I always say that it is better to go to the orthotist because they will be able to take proper measurements and then you get different compression levels. So, for example, uh, you know, if, if mom has... Uh, you know, uh, limbs that do not require very uh, light compression. She might need a medium compression or they might not require a very tight stocking. But all of that will be born out of the consultation with the orthotics. So find one near you. And, of course, they will then be able to advise you even about those stockings, whether they knee height or they, the stocking type, you know, uh, or, commonly known as the pantyhose type uh, that is worn above the waistline. So all of this is dependent on, um, you know, that. However, we need to keep in mind that there are complications of these uh, varicose veins. You know, they can lead to, um, you know, ulcers in the lower limbs and so on. So also to get a, a surgeon to look at them uh, or your GP or your healthcare practitioner who knows about um, varicose veins. So you need to look at it. And if there are any of these complications, then it is very important to have them treated. Um, so the, the medical options in terms of treating 
uh, varicose veins may include surgery. You also get what we call laser ablation. So where they insert a little laser into these veins, it's, 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 a, it's a little procedure that can be done in the rooms of a surgeon um, and the, the vein is sealed up. So that is uh, one of the options that can be used to treat it. So quite a wide range. So in the Chinese medicine practice, uh, we also, when we talk about collapsing, uh, anything that's collapsing, we need to look at an underlying cause. Uh, does Umi have uh, perhaps what we might call a qi deficiency that's causing the vessels uh, not to be in their proper state? Um, we may be able to identify that underlying cause. It might be at an early stage, we might be able to prevent the deterioration. So from the Chinese medicine practice, we are able to offer all of those things. And we would encourage Umi to come into the practice so that uh, we can advise her uh, and probably refer her to an orthotist uh, or even a surgeon or depending on, on what, uh, what we do. General surgeons, of course, can deal with it, but the proper professional to deal with it and its complications are vascular surgeons. Very good indeed, Doc. Uh, Kulsum says, is it uh, true that uh, chronic uh, patients uh, generally suffer from a bad breath, Doc? Well, the medical term for bad breath is something called halitosis. So it's an interesting name. Um, but bad breath uh, could be caused by dental issues. So you could have cavities in your teeth, you could have uh, gum disease, uh, you could have disease of the uh, nose and the throat or... You know, so it depends, uh, you know, you could have a chronic tonsil infection, um, in some cases, um, excessive uh, dryness of the mouth can cause it. Then, of course, bad habits can cause uh, bad breath, like smoking. Um, so so there are a number of things that can cause, cause it. Um, and uh, from a Chinese medicine point of view, we also think that patients could have uh, stomach imbalance, they could have a... Uh, lung imbalance, and so diseases uh, from there, uh, from a Chinese medicine point of view, uh, can also cause. And there are, of course, some some chronic conditions uh, like kidney disease, diabetes, liver disease, uh, that can also contribute to uh, bad smelling breath. Uh, again, we need to identify the cause rather than camouflaging the cause. So it's like the brother that was talking about uh, using uh, rose water to sort the eye problem out. We can't be worried about, or we can't rely on just chewing gum or mouth sprays or, you know, some something in the mouth, uh, sweet or something to camouflage the smell. Let us find out what the cause of the problem is. And that, inshallah, will, will resolve the problem. Of course, uh, smoking itself, it just doesn't contribute to bad breath. Uh, but whole of host of chronic diseases and cancers. So that is the greatest risk of smoking. And if it is a contributing cause, uh, the, uh, the person must work very hard to giving up uh, the habit, uh, not just for the bad breath, but for the long-term health. Looking at our question, uh, I don't know which one to take here, doctor, whether to do oasis or can we do the other one? Yeah, let's do that one at the bottom. Yeah, the bottom of the screen there, because we've got a few minutes left, I think. I'm looking at the clock here and looking at our interview. Yeah, we've got about three minutes left. Okay, can OCD patients be treated with Chinese medicine? Also, why is Western medication so expensive? I think that's a good one, doctor. 
Uh, you'd like to go with that? Yeah, um, look, OCD is the abbreviation used for obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and obsessive compulsive disorder is generally, you know, if you if you look at its broad definition, it has various subtypes um, and, and, and many, many causes, both from a Chinese medicine point of view and from the Western medical point of view. So it is generally characterized by what is uh, defined as unreasonable thoughts and fears uh, that lead to compulsive behaviors, that lead to a certain kind of behavior. So from a Chinese medicine point of view, uh, again, we previously spoke about this and we would look at something called the shen or the mind and we would look at imbalances uh, that we would be able to identify uh, through pulse and tongue diagnosis, habits, and, and so on. Particularly in my practice, Brother Shafat, although the question is thrown at me, I do not take on patients uh, with OCD or other psychiatric disorders um, where, uh, you know, there are complicated conditions of the shin, uh, because one is I am not comfortable treating them uh, because of, and admittedly through my lack of experience, uh, and the other is, of course, I have not in my, through my lack of experience, seen uh, very um, fantastic outcomes. However, I do have colleagues that, that work in the area. And they, on the other hand, when we discuss these things with them, have said to us that, you know, they see fantastic outcomes through using uh, Chinese medicine and acupuncture. In, in terms of uh, the price of these medicines, I don't know. You know, I don't think uh, some Chinese medicines are, are, are very cheap. In South Africa, all of our herbs, Chinese herbs that are available, I think the vast majority of them, we import them. They're dependent on the rand dollar and they are expensive. Um, and that applies in general, not just to medicines for OCD, uh, but Western medicine for OCD, you are right. Some of the medicines that are used are very expensive. Uh, unfortunately, I can't tell you why they're expensive, um, probably because the rarity of the molecules, uh, because they are not produced in such large volumes. You know that medicines that are produced in larger volumes are obviously cheaper. Uh, for example, your aspirin or your paracetamol, which are Western medicines, are very cheap because they are produced in, lots, in such large volume. So I think it would also have to do with supply and demand. Uh, so I can't answer why uh, the medicines used for OCD are very expensive. Uh, but in comparison, um, you know, even the treatment options from a Chinese medicine point of view for OCD would require multiple visits to the practitioner. Um, and those multiple visits can also cost you quite a bit, not just the medicine, the, con the repeated consultations, because it is a complex condition that requires a complex approach. I tell you... Yes, sir, doctor, I just got so carried away that you put me into a trance, you know, listening to you, because, uh, you know, when, we're, when you know, you talk about this, uh, you know, you don't want to deal with people who have uh, these issues and all that, and, you know, got me thinking very deeply, and also, you know, uh, a consultation with you really makes for easy digestion, it really, you have a, uh, Allah has blessed you with a very calm and uh, soothing uh, disposition. Your voice alone also really added value this evening. Uh, doctor, perhaps your parting words before I let you go. Uh, the same 
same broken record parting words uh, brother shafat first of all we must uh, remember that we are in the midst of a pandemic we are uh, experiencing our third surge particularly here in kwazulu natal um i have my mom who is suffering from all the complications of covid right now so we need to take this very very seriously um, uh, first of all i would encourage everybody to go and take the vaccine i know that uh, there are those that are pro vaccination and those that are against and i always say that the science outweighs the non science when it comes to the vaccine and i'm being polite brother shafat when i say non science i actually mean nonsense uh, so that is the first thing and 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 people who who actually say that covid doesn't exist i would invite them to come to a covid ward and take a walk around and see the patients for themselves and then talk about the non existence of it so we we are gripped by this now and and i would tell people to put aside things that they read in whatsapp messages and and all the non signs and say that please go and take the vaccine this is my view uh, i respect the view of those who have an alternate view uh, you know that is their right also so that is the first thing secondly all the non pharmaceutical measures particularly that i am involved in the education sector i would tell you that do not think of something as as the ordinary flu and somebody and your children and yourselves if you work in the education sector to say that you have mild symptoms and then you sit at home i mean you go to work don't go to work don't go to school stay at home and this applies to work as well when you have a clean bill of health go to work and if somebody uh, is afflicted by covid don't sit with a pulse oximeter on your finger at home and wait for your oxygen saturations to deteriorate to a point where you are beyond help or it will cost a lot or it will take a lot to get you to you know um, good health if you see your health deteriorating don't remain dependent on home remedies please seek professional help we are finding far too many people that are seeing us far too late and then it is very difficult to treat those patients and very difficult to help people and so don't sit at home waiting get early intervention oxygen concentrators if they are available don't use this silly idea that some people are peddling to say that you know the oxygen will make your lungs lazy and all of that please avoid all of this nonsense and non science you know you need when you need to take professional advice and start treatment early and inshallah we'll we'll get through this uh, by observing those non pharmaceutical measures wear those masks even if you think that it uh, you know if somebody told you that there is no need for it believe me there is a need for it uh, you know wash your hands and keep your hands clean and you know use the hand sanitizer where soap and water is not available learn good cough etiquette and maintain that physical distance no matter what you think this is what we know about how germs spread and we know that these non pharmaceutical measures go a long way so keep that in mind i always say and it feeds back to just what i said now he who sees the doctor only when sick is like he who digs a well only when thirsty and then it's too late so make sure you take your chronic your chronic medication because we know that patients with certain chronic conditions are predisposed to worse outcomes from from covid infections so make sure that you take your medicine medicine your disease conditions are under control take your supplements correct your vitamin d levels um, 
go and see your your complementary or alternate healthcare practitioner as well. So not only your medical doctor, come and see us as Chinese medicine practitioners or see the homeopath or see the Unani medicine practitioner, Ayurvedic doctor, whoever you want to see, see us. Because there is a lot that we can offer you in terms of your not only your disease conditions, but to stay healthy and also to ensure uh, that your body is in balance. So these are the parting words, Brother Shafat. And with that, I say, keep us all in your du'as. Um, you know, I, I tease patients. I always say, you know, that, and, and this is a fact, that Allah Ta'ala is the only giver of cure. And I gave you the example of my mother at the very beginning. What we were thinking and what Allah Ta'ala wanted for her. So I always uh, say this jokingly also, lightheartedly, that Allah Ta'ala cures, and that is the fact, and we charge. So keep that in mind and make sure that uh, you keep all of these advices in mind. And inshallah, Allah Ta'ala grant shifa to all those who are unwell. And Allah Ta'ala make everything easy uh, for, for everybody. Allah Ta'ala grant um, gardens of bliss to all those who have passed on, whether through this pandemic or any other reason. And Allah Ta'ala grant the family sabr and jameel and make everything easy for the Ummah. Brother Shafat, on a parting note and last word, Nothing is greater than giving some sadaqah and making some tawbah and, and doing good deeds. So these are the things uh, that build our dunya and our akhirah. Most importantly right now is for us to give a lot of sadaqah and for us to make a lot of tawbah. Uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Imran Kika, uh, the, uh, yes, a member of uh, the KZN Provincial Parliament and a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And Jazakallah khaira for being with us. Allah keep you safe. And, uh, you know, carry on doing the good work. Uh, doc, we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go to uh, uh, for the Isha Zan, and after that, uh, pertinence of punctuated uh, should be joining us.